Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I want to be able to communicate with my friends on how I feel, especially when Sheena comes to us about her feelings and you and I sit there and we we wholeheartedly take them in. Yeah, when she's asked me to like cut ties with people, I have. Like in the beginning of quarantine, I was hanging out with Danica and yeah. she was like, you know what, I'm kindly asking you not to hang out with I was like, okay, well, like, I do care about our friendship, Sheena, and I'm, like, willing to accommodate for you. Like, same thing, I want to be a good friend to my friend. I don't want to make you uncomfortable. Sheena and Danica had a falling out over something that was really stupid. And then I got a text message in the summer saying that I commented too many nice things on Danica's photos. So I stopped commenting because I was scared that if I didn't, I would keep getting text messages. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry. Vanderpump Rules and Real Housewives of Orange County edition. Woo! Before we get into both of those, oh my god. Living the fast life from sunset to sunrise and whatever the rest of the lyrics are. I don't know. Does, does she even, like, what is she, is she even saying words at the end of that? I'm talking about Summer House, you guys. Did you guys see the trailer? I hope you did. If you didn't, it's on the Everyone's Business But Mine Instagram, at Everyone's Business But Mine. Run, run, run. (laughs) Don't walk. That trailer, you guys, gave me more than the entire season of uh, Vanderpump Rolls. But that's neither here nor there. Wow, what a trailer. We have so much to unpack with these people. Where's Jason? What happened to Jason? Ass eating. 
millions of dollars in debt. Uh, tears, so many tears, Italian tears, American tears, love triangles, ass eating. Did I mention that? Um, drink throwing. You guys, I, <laughs> what's up? You guys, I, I I approach social media in a way that a lot of uh, the Bravo um, uh, podcasts don't. And that's really, it's not a pat on the back. It's me saying that I'm like mostly a flop and they're like thriving. Okay. Um, I don't often engage. I'm like Meredith Marks in that way. I don't often like comment on Bravo Liberties, Instagrams, and I'm really not much of a troll. Um, after, you know, the last presidential administration, I really learned that that's, it doesn't really do much, but I just had a question. And so when I saw the trailer and I saw Sierra throw a drink at a uh, sleeper hit queen, Danielle, and I mean that with all due respect. And it appeared to be a drink thrown in response to Danielle simply being like, hey girl, why are you letting this blonde limp dick Muppet run your life and your vagina and play the fuck out of you? I just had a quick question. And that question was, is Austin's dick that good that it's worth throwing a drink on another woman now? Apparently, um, a lot of people had the same question. They were commenting, how brave of you. Thank you. I was wondering the same thing. You're a hero and I love you. Some Only some of those things were said. It doesn't really matter which one was which, but um, she deleted it. And I just felt like, you know, why can't we have open discourse? Isn't that what America is all about? You know, I just feel like if you are going to throw a drink on somebody, I deserve to ask how we got there. And if it's all roads lead to Austin Curl's penis... I just, a simple inquiry about the quality of said dick, I don't think is unfair. Okay. So, um, I hope we get the answer to that. Finally, it seems like, um, one of the world's greatest mysteries and I hope we get a lot of answers to everything. What we did not see is specifically what is going on or what was going on with Kyle and Amanda. Like nine times out of 10, if there's like discord, but we know that there was a happy ending to it anyway. Like, I don't care. I like the opposite. I like to see you guys being happy and then the train goes straight into the, the ocean. That's what I like. <laughs> and that's fucked up of me to say. I admit that. But that's really my judge. I don't really need to see, like, you guys fighting and fighting and then, like, you guys got married anyway. But I am interested in knowing because it seems like Amanda that's having issues. And I would like to know why. And also run that clip of Gabby saying that she and Kyle, that Kyle's flirting with her in Winter House. Run the tapes. I'm not playing with y'all. <laughs> we deserve, we all deserve to see that. Anyway. Um... Yeah, I'm really excited about that. I, you know, the trailer had so much that there was like very little Carl, which concerns me. I love my boy. But also that there seems to be some absolute fucking unit of a man who's on the cast who has like 7,000 muscles. Like Luke, watch your back. This is like fucking Prince Eric from Little Mermaid. Who was that guy? Who was that? I think his name was Alex. 
no no info on that there appears to be another black woman i'm excited about that um yeah i'm excited you know honestly like i saw andrea cry (laughs) over losing out to craig and like it it i laughed i laughed that's my truth that's my truth um so I'm really excited. It premieres January 17th and I'm just basically white knuckling it until it happens. I really, really am. Um, I was going to talk about Salt Lake City, but I wasn't able to rewatch it. And listen, I, for redacted reasons, don't really have like a very crisp memory of what happened during that episode. But uh, Mary... I do definitely remember Mary making a very disparaging racist comment about Mexicans and thugs and comparing Jen to that. Uh, Didn't love that. Hated it, in fact. Um, There was just like a lot of confusion. All I remember is there just being like a lot of stairs. A lot of people stomping up and down stairs. Um, Meredith, excuse me, um, Heather looking back from her big black puffa jacket. Uh... Whitney and Heather Badweather spinning the truth and taking a separate flight, even though they had a private jet to take them back to Salt Lake. Uh, That's what I remember. I'm going to have to watch that back on my own and see what's happening. You guys, there's so many things happening behind the scenes of Salt Lake City that I am privy to and that I can't get into. (laughs) And again, I know I said this is so annoying to like say that I have information, but I can't share it. But I have information that I can't share it and it's delightful to me. But like, honestly, if it's not even, it's not even like information that I would tell you guys that you would be surprised about. I will just say this. The people, these people appear to be exactly who they are. And don't be surprised that their on-screen behavior is exactly the same as their off-screen behavior. I'll, I'll just, we'll just end it on that. How about that? Um, uh, let's move on. Let's move on to Vanderpump Rules. Um, again, you know, much like Salt Lake City, I didn't catch a lot of it, but for very different reasons. Um, <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about this episode. Did you guys see that after this episode aired, apparently Keila Katie came back and you guys can head on over to Reddit to find that clip in which she is like attempting to talk shit about Sandoval, but she just sounds drunk and she's not really making any sense and she just keeps talking and it really has nothing to do with anything. And like, I'm kind of wondering what even uh was the catalyst for this because we didn't see tom sandoval really at all this episode so what's going on on that i don't know i don't care anyway let's let's just get through this before we get into orange county because you know i i I loathe to say that that is the prestige show that i really want to talk about so we find ourselves in an alley somewhere in West Hollywood, unfortunately, this alley has neither the charm nor the coke residue of the old Sir Alley that we've all come to know and love. This alley appears to be for, like, intention and manifesting or some shit, but we see a lady with some very uh, sinewy, muscular arms telling Brock and James and Tom Schwartz that they're going to be doing ice baths. 
Brock has set this up because he wants to help them. It's some sort of like weird Wizard of Oz situation uh, in which he needs Tom to get into that ice bath and find some balls and some courage. And James, he just needs to stop raging at people at the slightest provocation. Um, Obviously, you know, James is open to other forms of alternative therapy because he says that talk therapy doesn't typically work for him mostly because when he sits down on the chair and tells the therapist what is going on they just sit there slack-jawed absolutely shocked and horrified and they don't tend to get anywhere so he's open to anything um he of course does this in a very james-like fashion and that by that i mean like tom shockingly does not like golly gosh his way out of this he gets in there shockingly truly shockingly brock gets in um james hovers <laughs> over the bath for a good amount of time and then dunks in completely and just starts screaming i'm failing i'm failing <laughs> the drama the absolute drama um schwartz says that he has no problem being in the ice bath because his heart is cold And he's dead inside, to no surprise to anybody. And he also figures uh, that if the doctor told him that all of his hot tubbing has been affecting his sperm count because of the heat, that the ice bath might do the opposite. I don't think that's true, but it it honestly doesn't matter. Um, Then Brock says he reveals... That he likes to do this sort of thing because it helps him get centered. Because back in the day as a youth, he used to get uh, bullied and picked on for his uh, amputated finger, if you will. So we find out that this is now the second Bravo celebrity who has had some sort of horrific farm... uh, Farm style amputation lest we not forget you know the only thing fake about me is this aviva leg on the ground so that's very interesting i mean he didn't really lose all of his finger it seemed like just like a good portion of like the tip so he's got like good four and three quarter fingers but you know that's still a thing that we that kids have to deal with and you know kids will point out and make fun of so i'm not gonna yuck your yum on that one. Um, I mean, that's really it. They get out of the bath. Somehow the 15 seconds that James was in there before screaming about how he's failing, um, has really, uh, made him introspective. And he says, I have a tendency to let people set me off really quickly. And I need to start, I need to start making it harder for them to do that. And I have all these things that I love. I love being the white Kanye. I love DJing at Sir. I love my fiance. And we're definitely not going to be breaking up at the reunion. And I love her and I have so much going for me. And why would I let people ruin that? That is like a great thing for James to be saying. Now we'll see how long this lasts. I don't know. We'll see. Anyway. Next, we have the scene that I was just like, what the fuck are we doing here, you guys? Lisa pulls her beautiful, pristine white Bentley into Lala and Randall's driveway. And I could just tell by the way 
the the air hit her when she exited the car that she was like, ooh, this is what new money smells like. I don't like it. Take me back to Villa Rosa immediately. So we're, I was going to say treated to a scene, but that's definitely not the word. We are subjected to a scene in which we're supposed to believe that Lisa Vanderpump and Lala Kent are peers. They're peers that confide in each other. They're peers that gossip with each other. They're peers that, like, (laughs) know what's going on in each other's lives. And I just feel like, stop playing in my face. This is not real. This is not happening. I don't like it. You know, I thought it was ridiculous when those kids, and I'm going to continue to call them kids, despite the fact that most of them are older than me. Um, those kids were going over to Villa Rosa, but now she's going, she's making, she's putting miles on her Bentley. No, <laughs> no, this don't make no damn sense. I mean, I'm sorry to Lala that she has an ailing dog. And I guess that was supposed to be like the point that she was supposed to be connecting with Lisa on, I guess. But then... They go to the nursery. Lisa congratulates Ocean on looking like her mother, thank God. And Lala reveals that Ocean was a very hairy baby at first, and she was scared that she was going to have to take out the electric razor like she does on her father. When her father drops trow, spread eagle, and makes Lala shave him. Now, if I had to hear it, so did you. And I'm not going to apologize for that. So then Lala tells Lisa that at Brock's birthday party, she went off on Tom Schwartz about not being in Katie's corner, not supporting her. And Lisa says that she feels like Katie probably just wants something of her own to sink her teeth into. And again, I would admonish you, just pump it down to GoDaddy.com and renew your... Uh, hosting fees for Pucker and Pout. If you want something to do so badly, do it on your own. Stop bothering Sandoval. Why are we doing this? If you guys don't like Sandoval, can we at least all agree that this is fucking stupid that she will want to join into a business uh, situation, a legally binding contract with somebody that she hates? Why are we... I, I know I say this every week, but like... Why is nobody saying that to her? You don't even like him. Why do you want... Why are you forcing... Uh, okay, uh, okay. I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop. Okay, I'm spiraling. Uh, we're back in Ocean's nursery. Um, Lisa asks about the feet situation. And then we have to cut to... Uh, Katie, Ariana, Charlie, Raquel... Uh, taking feet pics for to raise funds for uh, Raquel's new nose, like some sort of twisted <laughs> episode of the Brady Bunch. <laughs> um, Lala hands her baby to her day nurse or her night nurse or the night nurse that she somehow has during the daytime as well. And then she says that she's too busy with her baby to, to be taking fi- uh, feet pics, frankly. Um, so the girls take the pictures and... Ariana brings up how James was in a good mood at Brock's birthday party. And then Charlie brings up, yeah, I didn't really have that much fun because one of Brock's little Australian friends tried to goose me. And I'm also kind of pissed at Sheena because she didn't uh, defend me. She didn't speak up for me. Nothing. So the girls are like, well, did you tell Sheena? Did you tell Brock? And Charlie's like, 
Sheeta was standing right there. She saw everything. She reacted. She knew what was going on and she did nothing. And I'm starting to get really sick of Sheena because it's feeling like she is very sometimey about her friendships. And I just kind of feel like I, I'm talking like it's me, Charlie. I kind of feel like, uh, Sheena might have more loyalty to Brock's random ass friend than she does to me, the person who's actually been a good friend to her. So then we have more shenanigans ensuing when we see Tom Schwartz and Lisa at a tattoo shop. And then we have to get all this backstory about how apparently Tom and uh, Lisa had uh, wine one night and that turned into a drunken ping pong game, ping pong game. And then uh, Tom's gambling addiction gene was activated because that's a new storyline. Apparently Schwartz has some sort of uh, uh, addiction to making bets with people. He made about the worst bet of all time. The problem is that he makes stupid bets. Bets that don't really um, benefit him in any sort of way. So we see the flashback of him and Lisa. And they bet, okay, if I win the, if I, Lisa, win this ping pong match, then uh, you have to tattoo LVP on your ass. And Tom, if you win, I'll give you a few cases of my shitty wine for your new bar. Great. So you're going to give him, what, $15 worth of wine, and then he has to permanently tattoo your initials onto his ass, which is exactly what ends up happening. So, um, stupid, stupid. Um, they go to the tattoo parlor, and Tom's like, well, I would just request that this be a little bit more subtle than, uh, my Bubba tattoo that I got for... Uh, Katie because you know I'm just trying to prove to her that I just want her to feel more supported now now more than ever (laughs) okay that's how you're gonna do it (laughs) okay great um Lisa seems to be of the opinion that Tom should have put his foot down and told Sandoval that Katie would be involved especially because he put up a home equity loan uh out for this situation but he's like oh actually you know not going to get that loan. I'm actually going to get a small business loan anyway. But then he also reveals that Katie's really upset with his gambling habit and that he bet Randall they're going to have to do another pickleball pickleball tournament to make up for the last one that Schwartz lost. And this time I guess it's double or nothing. So Schwartz wins. He can get $2,000, and if he loses, Randall gets his own drink on the Tom Tom menu with his name on it. Again, <laughs> you knew you were going to lose, my guy, so make the stakes that are at least kind of beneficial to you. Ah, whatever. I, who cares? He sits his flat ass down on that table and gets LVP written in red ink, which really just makes it look like somebody scratched him with a hot paper clip. End of story. So Raquel has her party. She's going to have a party that looks very Raquel. It is every bit as floral and whimsical as you think it would be, except for Lala, who missed the memo, did not understand the assignment as she's been doing this whole season, but she missed the memo on the dress code and the mood board that was provided by Raquel for this very party and shows up in a... Jersey tank top that says baby girl 99 on it. 
It really looked like something that Lena Dunham would have worn during, like, season two of Girls. I'm so sick of Lala. <laughs> so, anyway. Um, there... First, like, before we sit down for uh, little finger sandwiches and tea, just check through our uh, OnlyFans or whatever the fuck they put these feet pictures on, whatever website. Unfortunately, they've had no bites so far. But then Sheena reveals to the girls that Brock has some sort of new business. It's called Homebody. I don't know what it's for. Don't care. But he wants to invite the ladies so that he can take advantage of them. Excuse me. I mean, take free pictures of them for promo for the company. And Sheena's like, all in. I'm really believing in him. I want the girls to see that he is dedicated and a hard worker. And she tells all the girls that he's put all of his money into this. Probably including, you know, whatever the equivalent of child support is in Australia. But, you know, we'll move on for that. Uh, Apparently, this situation about let's have a promo party, promo picture party, whatever... Um, this conversation has come up before because apparently Brock had texted all the guys that he wanted them to come as well. But then Sheena reveals that James wanted to get paid and, or maybe Lala reveals this, that James wanted to get paid, that he also reached out to Raquel and was like, we're not doing this photo shoot unless we get some ducats. And then... Sheena gives Lala and all of America really the bait immediately by being like, well, I don't understand why they would do that. He really doesn't have any money to give because, you know, he has a child to pay for. Sheena, he's got three children to pay for. Anyway, don't, don't give Lala anything. Don't, this is what give them Lala is. It means giving them bait for her to talk shit behind your back. And like, we all have to agree. That's, that's the definition of give them Lala. Anyway, Charlie asks Sheena if Brock's friends are coming because she's still not fucking with that guy that touched her on, uh, Brock's birthday party. So Sheena starts off by saying that she didn't see what happened, but then she slips and says that she will, Charlie, I heard you call your boyfriend and say he's going to kick your ass. So I kind of figured... I didn't need to do anything. So Charlie starts talking about basically she feels like Sheena's kind of a hypocrite and Sheena expects this loyalty, this like undying loyalty from her friends, but vice versa doesn't really happen that way. Um, For some reason, Katie and Lala feel the need to jump in on this, which feels very hypocritical of them. Because one thing that Katie and Lala are going to do is jump ship on a friendship for uh, greener pastures. Definitely Lala. And Katie's about the most wiffle waffle ass bitch I've ever seen in my life. But okay, y'all don't need to be talking. This gets shut down pretty quickly because even though Lala goes in on her, she's like, you know what? I feel like Sheena's had enough. And then Sheena starts crying about how, you know, I don't want to be here, my baby. And, like, I don't want to be insensitive, but that's not, when you get called to the carpet for something, I just see, I've seen a tendency for new moms to get called on their shit and then use their baby as an excuse, like a get out of free, get out of jail free card. And I don't like that shit, you know? Like, 
all due respect to new mothers, but that your child has nothing to do with the fact that you're a bad friend to Charlie and that you giggled and text messaged while she was highly uncomfortable about this guy feeling her and putting his hands on her body. Like, and that's it, girl. That's not a situation for you to cry for your baby. Don't cry for me, Summer Moon, honey. Okay. Our next scene, we have Ariana go over to Katie's because Ariana's working on a drink from home, like delivery bar kit situation. And she wants to include little fun games into that. So she um, enlists Katie to come up with like, would you rather never have I ever type of submissions, right? Um, So they're sitting and they're brainstorming. And in a confessional, Katie's like, you know, I really love to work with Ariana because she's smart and fun. And yeah, maybe those are two things that you should take into consideration as two very good reasons to not go into, you know, I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to talk about it. Okay. So Ariana asks, are you and Schwartz still thinking about working on this sandwich shop? But then Katie's like, yeah, we are, but I, you know, it's on the back burner right now for this new bar. So Ariana's like, well, do you think that maybe you could take the lead on that? And then, you know, you'll be ready for when he is able to devote his time for that. And Katie's like, no, you know, I just want this to be a thing for the both of us. And then she says in a confessional that she's basically living in some sort of Nancy Myers fantasy where she pictured getting out of her million dollar home to work at a sandwich shop because that really makes no sense. Like why? One thing Nancy Myers is going to do is like give you home porn. And I'm here for it. But, like, nobody's job ever... Y- y'all know. Nobody's job ever, like, makes up for... It's it's like she's... Some lady who works nights at the library somehow has, like, a $3 million colonial <laughs> home on the, sea, on the seaside. And it doesn't make any sense. But anyway. Um, so, yeah. Katie says that, you know, she just doesn't think that she can do it on her own. And I have to wonder why. I know that through this relationship, Katie has probably a pretty significant decrease in her self-worth. But if you think that you need Tom Schwartz for success in life, then this is a way deeper issue than I thought, than I, than I ever imagined. This is bad. You're down bad, girl. Real bad. Speaking of Tom Schwartz, he arrives back to the house and... They're, you know, making pleasantries with one another and um, how convenient was this that Katie comes up with a never have I ever gotten a tattoo of my significant other's name on my ass right as Tom Schwartz's left butt cheek is stinging from the fresh LVP tattoo he got. Gosh, how did maybe here's another job for you right now is a fucking uh, fortune teller, soothsayer. (laughs) Because my good goodness uh, production, could we have not had a more lazy lead in to him having to admit that he just got a tattoo? Truly. Truly, truly. Nine seasons into the show, I deserve more than this. Okay. I deserve a lot more than this. Anyway, um, Ariana's like, oh, you did something behind your wife's back and you lied about it? Gotta go. I'm going to chug my rosé and 
kick it down a couple blocks to my home, to my, my craftsman home or whatever you call it. My new, what do you call this? Farmhouse? Front, new, modern farmhouse? Is that what they're called? Mm. Anyway. Um, Ariana's like, getting out of here. See you later. Bye. And they sit down and Katie starts talking about Tom's gambling habit. But the more important thing, which is that she feels like he doesn't have her back. And he's like, well, no, like, it's only when it comes down to, like, business stuff, you know, because I have to. And she's like, no, actually, you don't. <laughs> there, there's really not a necessity for you to not have my back. But um, I kind of disagree. I don't know. Like, this is such a weird situation. This is such an abnormal situation that I can't even think of a real-time example for this. Because normally... You just let your partner do their job and you do your job and you don't try to like force your way into their job because that's not how the real world works. But I understand that these people exist in a world in which all of those things can be mixed. So it's hard for me to have empathy for Katie. I, well, the business part has nothing to do with it. I don't have any empathy for Katie because this is stupid. This is like an unequivocally stupid thing that you're trying to fight for. Sorry. (laughs) Not sorry. (laughs) Anyway, the following scene was them doing the pickleball uh, championship or whatever. But as soon as I even saw the green of the court, I fast forwarded immediately. Could not have grabbed that remote faster. I pressed play when I saw Charlie and Raquel doing yoga, which was smart on my behalf. Because the first thing that Raquel said was that sometimes you work out to break a sweat. Sometimes you work out just to like gossip and avoid pickleball, you know? And that's when I knew Raquel's a girl for me. So Charlie apologizes to Raquel for like bringing up this stuff about Sheena at her party. But Raquel's like, don't even worry about it. And they both start commiserating over the fact that Sheena has asked them to not talk to certain people for the sake of her friendship with them. It appears that this person is Danica from last season. Danica is wild. Well, Danica was wilding, allegedly. I don't know if you guys saw all the headlines about her in during the pandemic, but there was one that really stuck with me in which she got into a physical altercation with her then boyfriend over the fact that he, they were watching 90 Day Fiance and I guess eating. And she asked him to either wash a dish or put, put a dish in the dishwasher but he said that he would do it later and somehow this ended up in her putting her hands on him y'all can google it but anyway apparently there's been beef between sheena and danica this whole time to the point where sheena told both raquel and charlie to stop communicating with danica And that one day out of the blue, Charlie gets some text messages from Sheena that was like, hey, uh, somebody sent me this, uh, you commenting on Danica's Instagram and like, that's really not a good look. She wasn't a good friend to me. So I just think that maybe you should, you know, stop basically. So Charlie says, I just stopped uh, commenting on her Instagram because I was afraid that I was going to get another text from Sheena about it. Now, this is an interesting and intriguing development. And I think I like it, even though I'm about to be a huge hypocrite myself. I've been, you know, in 
big defense mode of Sheena because I feel like with the past uh, people on the show, past cast members, Sheena is often the redheaded stepchild, the the kicked dog in the corner, left out in the rain, while all these mean girls uh, just walk all over her. But now. I'm getting a little tingle because we're finding out that maybe behind the scenes that Sheena is going full Regina George to the younger castmates. And I'm not here for it in the sense that I want her to be doing this to Charlie and Raquel, but I'm here for it in the sense that like, is Sheena's going to let her bitch flower bloom? That might be interesting. I might want to see that. So if that was not enough, Charlie says that she calls Sheena after the party to try to make up. And then Sheena was like, I can't trust you anymore. And basically tried to accuse Charlie of using the Me Too movement as like a, as an excuse for like what happened when she got touched by that guy. Now I said last week that I was very interested in seeing how Sheena handles the situation And that I was really hoping that she handled it well. But to accuse another woman of using the Me Too movement to her advantage. Booy. It's giving shades of when she was trying to navigate Shay's drinking and, and pill addiction. And that, if you guys remember, was... Probably Sheena's worst moment. So this isn't a good look, my girl. Not a good look. So more flash, fast, fast forward happened on my end when I saw Lala come out onto the balcony with a cheerleading outfit. Bitch, no. And even more, I hit that the four X, the four time fast forward when I saw a black man singing what I only assumed to be the national anthem for a bunch of rich white people to play pickleball. Like, no, I'm absolutely not going to do that. So I stopped again when I, it appeared like there might be something going on with Brock and James and I stopped at the right time. So Brock has confronted James about James not wanting to do free promo for his homebody business. And James is like, First of all, I'm just really annoyed that Lala would have told that that it went down this chain of command, like playing. Uh, why can I never think of the word <laughs> telephone? Playing telephone because the real thing is like not. It's not that deep, right? It's like I. He's trying to explain to Brock. It wasn't that I said, "Oh, we need to get paid for this, and let's not do it." It was like a hey. Raquel don't agree to this before until I can get home and we can have a face-to-face conversation it's like I was at the gym I just wanted to be able to talk to my fiance about that I don't see what the big deal is or why we're having a bunch of drama about this but he starts to get worked up and so who's in the scene Brock James Lala Katie he starts to get worked up Lala's trying to calm James down And then James reveals to everybody that, Brock, hey, like, you're basically texting me, asking me to promote shit and tag you and do all this stuff on Instagram. I can do it once in a while, but, like, you ask me a lot. 
and I'm kind of feeling like I'm being taken advantage of. And Brock starts talking about how like, oh, oi, mate, it's like a, no, or like, it's like a tit for tat thing. And James is like, but I don't ask you to do anything. (laughs) And And then Brock is like, well, I'm there for you physically. Like I set up that ice bucket challenge for you to do. So <laughs> that was really Brock's only defense. Um, so Katie's standing there and she's like, no, I think I understand what's happening. James, do you feel like you're take- being taken advantage of? <laughs> yeah. Was that not clear? <laughs> uh, Katie, I don't know if you really needed to be the James whisperer on that. I think think we all got it but James seems very grateful to Katie for interpreting for her for him didn't need to do it but he's grateful for their relationship so whatever congratulations to the both of you basically Katie calms James down by saying hey I you feel like you're being taken advantage of right now but there might be a time where you need Brock and James is like you know what you're right and then they they dap each other up and they forgive and forget so after that, pickleball, everybody meets up at Tom Tom for uh, Randall to like hobble in with this uh, a trophy that was probably taller than him. Like I have not seen a trophy that tall since I watched Pose. <laughs> Frankly, <laughs> don't know why he needed that, but anyway, um, I. Uh, Ariana is excited to reveal that somebody bought one of her feet picks. And I like, let's do a reverse IP check. I don't know if that's possible, but I would bet anything that it's probably Jax. Cause we all know that Jax loves feet and we all know that Jax hates Ariana in a way that is very obvious. It's because he could not have sex with her. And also she's smarter than him and she sees right through him. And she calls him out on his bullshit. And I know, I know he's so attracted to Ariana and he hates it so much that he could not hit on her successfully. I know that's why he hates her. Anyway, um, he's not on the show, so who cares? So Sheena says she's been wanting to talk to Charlie. <clears throat> so they go, you know, to a private space where they can talk to each other and she tells Charlie that she was frustrated at the tea party and she wanted to know why Charlie felt like she couldn't come to her the day that that incident happened. So Charlie says, well, I didn't say anything to you explicitly because of how you reacted in the moment. And at the end of the day, like if you continue to act like that way, if you continue, <laughs> my, my mind does, I, my heart's not in this. <laughs> And so I can't even get the words out, but we're almost done. We're almost done. Okay. So Charlie tells Sheena, if you continue to act like this, it's not going to fly. We can't continue to be friends. And then Charlie's like, we used to be really close, but in the last couple months, you haven't been a good friend to me or present. And then Sheena has to look at her and says, in the last couple months, I had a baby. And that was the one time that I was like, okay, Yeah. I will give Sheena that you're not going to cry to get out of your responsibilities and the shitty things that you did, but yeah, her whole life has changed, Charlie. Maybe she hasn't been as present because she's breastfeeding, you know, like that makes sense. That part you're going to have to take the L on, but I think what Charlie means is like, you just haven't been, (laughs) you can be 
a not present friend and still be a good friend. You know what I mean? Like a quality friend maybe isn't always there, but they're there when you need them to be. Like I have plenty of good friends that live hundreds, if not thousands of miles away from me. And they're not present in my everyday life. And that's okay. Because I know that when I need them to show up for me, they will. And these are all people who have children who have newborns. I get it. I get it. So anyway, Charlie tries to like trap Sheena into these questions instead of just being direct and saying like, Hey, you've done X. She asks Sheena, have you ever, uh, you know, have you ever made somebody feel bad for being friends with somebody else that you don't like? And Sheena's like, well, I do vent. And Charlie's like, well, venting is one thing, but you like make people feel bad. And Sheena's like, well, Danica is a bad person. And then Charlie says, but you still hang out with Jax. Like you expect me to not talk to Danica because you feel like she's a bad person. But Jax is also a bad person who also talks a bunch of shit about people. And you can be friends with him. You maintain a friendship with him. And in a confessional, Charlie says that Sheena's basically like a dictator when it comes to her friendships. And at this point, if Sheena can't understand where she's coming from, then they can't be friends. Sheena kind of half-heartedly was like, sorry, I'll be a better friend to you. To the point where Charlie is like, okay, but do you mean that? Because <laughs> that was not convincing. She's like, she says yes, they hug, and that's the end of the episode. It does seem like excuse me, next episode might be a little bit more interesting. There might be some discord and a friendship break between the Toms. Uh, Ariana falls at her birthday party drunk. So I'm here for that. This better be good because I'm having a rough time recapping it. So I cannot believe that I've done it for more than 30 minutes at this point. Anyway, let's move on to Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Orange County. Don't get in my face and insult me. I didn't do any of this bullshit. Her. That little, tiny, mini little bitch that looks just like me, except I'm the better version of that. You come with me. I agree. Her. I don't have my bag. All right, we're going to go. We're just going to go. We're just going to go. All right, we're just going to go. Okay, we're back to talk about the Real Housewives of Orange County. Oh, this is really my kind of carrying on, and I'm so excited. I'm, like, so happy that we have Orange County back in the way that I prefer. 
really. And I had a realization during this episode that, like, the way this whole thing happened from start to finish is, like, the perfect Housewives fight, in my opinion. I'll walk you through it. Hopefully you agree by the end. Okay, so, um, phase one, the build-up. So we're at Chateau Dubrow. The ladies are introducing themselves to each other. Hi, you look nice. You're blonde again. I love that filler, etc. Noella and Dr. Jen know each other through Bronwyn, which we found out last week, but they don't really know each other. And they both admit that they don't have anything in common. What I have to admit right now is that I'm kind of loving the dichotomy of Jen, Dr. Jen being this working woman breadwinner has to have it all trying to build an empire carrying her shirtless husband on her back and his chihuahua meanwhile noella who is our first black real housewife of orange county is that correct gotta be that's gotta be correct i i haven't watched all the seasons but surely that has to be true um meanwhile she's just like yeah you work today that's so great. What I did was I got out of bed and right into hair and makeup for this party. That's what I did. <laughs> and I love it. I absolutely love it. I love that <clears throat> Noella is almost giving me shades of Mia from Potomac in a way. <clears throat> Hear me out. There's a look in her eye that to me is like the glint of mischief. The lack of fear of really getting into it. She's nice because she doesn't really know where she wants to lay her head down yet. She's still gauging who she wants to stick with. But she knows, like, later we see her sticking to Shannon, which was a smart choice initially because she is the OG of the show, right? But I just see mess coming down Noella's path. And I'm here for it. I'm absolutely here for it. Um... Now, it does look like next week that probably implodes pretty quickly. And, you know, that's just the way the game, just the way it goes, you know, ups and downs. Anyway, (laughs) so Gina and Emily are still like chomping at the bit. They're full Burton Ernie mode. Like they just want somebody to say what Heather told them. They cannot believe that Nicole's here, even though, you know, she's essentially sued the man of the house. So finally, Shannon and Nicole say hi to each other. They're very pleasant, just very surface. But in a confessional, Shannon says, I barely recognize Nicole. Like the only thing that's the same about her from the past 16 years when we were friends is that she still wears skimpy dresses. That's it. I I don't recognize her. I would like to see a picture. We saw a picture of Shannon later in the episode. And I was like, uh, who dat? (laughs) So, Shannon, I don't know if you should be talking, because I did not know who was in that picture. Anyway, Heather must have known something was going to be happening in the future, because she keeps trying to corral the women around to try to get them to eat the food that's out already. Um, Excellent idea, knowing what we know now. But while they're waiting in line, Gina's basically, like, foaming at the mouth. She is whispering to Emily about how, like, I cannot believe Shannon's been talking about my hand behind my back. And also she's not saying what happened with Nicole. And at this point in the episode, Gina does not believe that Shannon's telling the truth. Like she thinks that, that Shannon just made up this whole thing about Nicole. And 
then Gina and Emily, Nicole's standing right in front of them in line and they just look straight at her boobs. They're like, well, you know, like they look good. So I don't think she would have sued for those because those look pretty good. So yeah, I don't, I think Shannon's lying because it's not adding up. It's not adding up. Clearly they have decided at this point they're incapable of keeping the secret. Like this is <laughs> so funny to me. I don't remember Gina being this delightful. Like I remember liking her, but not to this degree. She is really rocketing up in like good top housewife status for me very quickly. I hope she keeps this up because I'm truly finding her to be delightful, but she and Emily are just like, they keep riling each other up and now they're just like, well, she's standing right here. We have to say something, but they, it's like they both decided (laughs) that they were going to be about 40% coy. They're like, okay, let's just go into this. And like, they're like the perfect foils for each other. It was truly so funny. So Nicole turns around to say hi to them. And Emily's like, your boobs look great. (laughs) And then Gina tries to clean up. She's like, well, you know, no, like everything looks great. And then Emily touches Nicole's boobs. Gina's horrified. She's like, you can't just go around touching people like that. Like, girl, keep it together. And (laughs) Emily's like, no, we're fine. We're friends. She just met her. Like, capital J just met this woman. And then she makes Nicole touch her boobs. And she's like, see, like these aren't implants. My breasts are not implants. I noticed that you also have breasts. Are those implants? Do you like them? Are you happy with them? Was there ever a time where you were not happy with them? Was there ever a time where you expressed how unhappy you were with them with a legal document? Was there a court case? What happened with that? Because that didn't happen with my boobs. But I was just curious, out of the blue, if that happened to you, maybe? Fortunately, Nicole doesn't seem to... This doesn't seem to register. And she's like, you know, I do have a long history with my breasts. It took four and a half years to get them to where they are today. (laughs) They're like, okay, so now Gina is playing full Encyclopedia Brown. And she's like, okay, in a confessional. Okay, so now she did admit to having a long history. She admitted to that being with her boobs. But do we know it's Terry? No, not at this point. So finally, in walks Terry with a moto jacket and his face. And he just keeps it very cute. He's like the celebrity, like Harry, like how they treat Harry Hamlin in Beverly Hills. Like he just, everybody gasps. A couple people clapped. Um, He's like, oh, you know, I got a early day in the surgery room. So I've got to, and he actually makes the bed, you know, like the the two hands on the side of your face. (laughs) Okay, Okay, Terry, just go upstairs. Will you just go upstairs? Um, So now at this point, we're moving into phase two, the confession. Gina's had enough. And so she decides to take Heather aside and say, you know, I know you and Shannon were trying to figure out if you guys knew the same Nicole, but now that you do, I just feel like you should know that Shannon told us that Nicole sued Terry. And I just don't want you to think that you guys are these great friends when everybody knows that she did this, because I think you probably would end up looking pretty silly. (laughs) Gina's had like one other interaction. They've had one lunch and she's just, 
completely every ounce of goodwill that she and Shannon have built up with each other is gone because she has made the decision that I want Heather to be my friend. I'm jumping ship. I want to hang out in the champagne room. I want to press the button in the closet. I want to look out at all of Laguna Niguel or wherever the fuck she lives in her backyard. I want to get pineapple pizza from Chef Nick. This is the lifestyle that I've grown accustomed to in the past week since I've known Heather and I'm out of here. Okay. And I would like to say at this point that usually like nine times out of 10, I don't fuck with people being this wishy-washy, not even wishy-washy, this like, uh, disloyal to their friends. But to me, now, for some reason, the fact that it's Gina versus Shannon, it's just like hitting right for me. And I'm, I, I was loving it. I felt comfortable and I was happy. My oxytocin levels were raised and I, I just, it was just so entertaining to me. So while Gina is talking to Heather, uh, Emily has decided to do some sort of divide and conquer thing. So we find her somehow in some hallway corner of the house i don't know where these rooms are coming from or why or where they is where it is at their place it almost looked like a salon off the kitchen or something whatever girl spend that money um so emily <laughs> she goes over to where shannon and nicole are sitting and she whispers pretty loudly to shannon hey did you ever tell heather did you tell her Emily's wasted, by the way. People kept talking about how drunk Nicole seemed. And I watched this episode twice. And yeah, she was probably as drunk as everybody else. But Emily, Emily was really the one that we need to be talking about in a good way. It was funny for me. It was truly, truly funny for me. Anyway, um, Heather is keeps whispering. And Shannon looks over at her like, you bitch. Like, I'm sitting right next to her. <laughs> So Emily says, well, Gina's talking to Heather about it right now. And then Shannon says, no, I didn't tell Heather. And I thought we all had a kumbaya moment the other night in which we all decided not to say anything. And Emily says, I did promise you that. And I kept my word. I haven't said anything, but now it's becoming a thing. So Shannon and her ponytail weave get up and they hobble over to Heather and Gina. And she sits down and says, you know, Heather, I was just trying to figure out if we knew the same Nicole because I figured it couldn't possibly be correct that this was the same Nicole that I knew that sued your husband. So Gina starts going full scorched earth on Shannon and says, you know, (laughs) this could have been just something that you told Heather and that, you know, she would have said maybe it wasn't a big deal and we moved on, but you're the one who made it into a big deal. (laughs) Uh, not really, (laughs) but okay. I kind of feel like if we took some fingerprints, both of your fingerprints would have come up on that lighter that is uh, lighting the match for this fire. But I'm not mad at you, Gina. Like, I'm loving it. But let's not say that she's the one who's making it a big deal. You're the one who's practically crying. So then Gina says that when Shannon made her promise this to keep this information a secret she didn't know that this information pertained to heather (laughs) 
I love it. So basically, what we're getting is Gina and Shannon's relationship exploding. As soon as Gina meets Heather, Shannon now looks stupid in the home of a woman that she basically made her life a living hell, like, for better or worse, five years ago. Then we have newcomer Noella, who's in the background watching all of this. And in her own confessional, she says, with no hint of irony whatsoever (laughs) about Gina, you know, it's really not right right to yell at your elders or anybody. (laughs) And she's talking about Shannon. (laughs) Then we see Nicole admit to Dr. Jen and Emily that, yeah, she did in fact sue Terry. But this is something that happened when she was young. Her attorneys forced her into it. She didn't want to do it. No, she does not told Heather any of this. And now we see (laughs) where Heather is. Speaking of Heather, she's gone upstairs. Full Judy Winslow. She's like, I'm not coming back down. Shut it all down. Production, you have to leave. She's putting her hand in the camera like it's an episode of Cheaters. And I'm just like absolutely loving my life. Which brings us to phase three, which is just like full on chaos. Shannon is now bonding with Noella, another person that she doesn't really know because she feels like, Shannon feels like, you know, I got a little, I I got a little loose lipped the other night I had a little bit too much to drink I tried to confide in people that I thought I could trust but here's the thing Shannon like (laughs) the problem is that like no shade but shade it kind of seems like Shannon has gone from the trace amigos confiding in them and trusting in them to confiding in casamigos and I'm honestly like I'm not sure which one is working out worse for you I think maybe we should try cutting off both frankly um heather at this point is still upstairs with terry and now emily in this weird salon kitchen salon is now being a little bit shady towards nicole why i'm not sure (laughs) she's upset with nicole for not telling heather i mean i get that but she's really taking it personally she's like i you know listen i kind of feel like you should have cleared the air with heather on this and dr jen who's sitting next to nicole on the other side is like yeah i kind of agree and in a confessional she's like yeah it's really bad form to sue a doctor the person who's trying to help you like that's a really big deal and if somebody had sued me or my husband i don't know what anybody would be suing your husband for because he doesn't do anything Um, if anybody sued me or my husband, they wouldn't be invited into my home. So then Emily asks Nicole how she's going to handle all this. And Nicole's like, uh, I'm going to figure it out, but I don't need your opinion. But when I do, I'll ask for it. (laughs) So then Emily starts getting all pissed off. (laughs) She says, you know, don't come for me because I've been friends with you this whole night. Okay. she really like she's like I started the sentence and I'm gonna finish it and it's not gonna sound good (laughs) so Nicole's like yeah girl you're being really fucking weird I don't know you and so then Nicole keeps telling Emily to sit down like sit down sit down sit down the only problem being that Emily is sitting down so when you say it like seven times in a row at some point it just starts getting confusing because she's doing it. She was already doing it. She can't sit anymore. Then she already is. Okay. Anyway, then Nicole almost calls 
Emily's stupid. And that's when Emily completely goes off the rails and says, <laughs> you were just talking to me about how you weren't educated and how you didn't go to school. You don't work. And now you're just going to sit here and tell me, call me stupid. Fuck you. <laughs> so then they get, Emily gets up, gets up. Gina gives Emily, they walk away. And as they do, Lisa's like, you know what, Nicole? Excuse me. Why did I say Lisa? <laughs> Emily says, you know what, Nicole, I actually liked you, but now that I see you're trash and you have no education and you've never had a job, so fuck you. And then she walks away. <laughs> and so Gina, <laughs> Gina's just standing there and she's like, you know what? I think there's still some potential here. <laughs> and then Emily realizes that she's walking by herself. So she goes back to get Gina and points at her and says, no, you're coming with me. So now they're walking down the hallway and Emily's screaming, or fuck you, fuck this, fuck that little bitch. She looks just like me, but except I look better. Fuck her. How do, how do I get out of this mausoleum? <laughs> so now Gina and, and Emily are out in the portico share just screaming. Gina's trying to figure out why Emily's so mad. But Emily's like, I don't even know what happened. She just started to get in my face. <laughs> So Noelle is just wandering around by herself. She realizes that it's probably, she's not going to get her Nobu dinner. Okay. Not happening. So she walks up to Shannon and she's like, well, I think we should probably leave. But Shannon's like, no, I'm just going to hang back and see if I can talk to Heather. So Noella then turns her head to look at like what else is going on in the kitchen. She gets eyes on Heather's daughter, Max. And she's like, oh my God give me a hug you're bisexual i'm bisexual too girl hey <laughs> so then gina and emily are still in the portica share but they've calmed down a little bit enough to go back into heather's house and when shannon tries to talk to gina gina completely shuts her down and says you know what let's just table this like please don't speak to me anymore so Shannon starts to do her typical Shannon, like up, 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 sputtering and spiraling, spiraling out of control. But Emily tells her, hey, like really the real villain is Nicole because she should have brought this up earlier. So now this brings us to phase four, retribution. <laughs> well, suddenly we see <laughs> Heather and Terry, they come back downstairs like some sort of weirdo Johnny Cash and June Carter Cash dressed in all black, holding hands with each other. Somehow they find another room. Like, where are these rooms? This room has curtains that have, uh, like, probably Swarovski crystals on them. Like, I don't, I don't understand where we are. <sighs> there are too many rooms. This is too much money. This is too much money. You know, twenty two thousand. Why do you need twenty two thousand square feet? Anyway, um, I guess so. You can have moments like this. This is our room for <laughs> when a former client sues us and we have to have a conversation about it so terry goes up to nicole and he says are you nicole weiss you sued me and then he asks nicole how long she and heather have been friends and heather's like oh it's six years and so terry very fairly asks why didn't you say anything this whole time then then he says listen, there's no doubt he fully admits it. Like we had a, you had a complication during surgery and Nicole says, Hey, I was in my twenties. I was pushed by attorneys. I never wanted to say anything because I don't think you did anything wrong. Then she starts to cry and get teary. Terry and Heather both squat down to get to eye level. 
which I know is like what you're supposed to do when a kid starts getting upset. <laughs> and they're comforting her. And Terry's like, hey, you dropped the lawsuit. Everything's fine. And then he makes some lame joke about, hey, like, and thanks for dropping it, by the way. And then they just start cackle, cackle, cackling right in her face, <laughs> all in her mouth as she's still like clearly shook and crying from the situation. Like she's, she's not, she's not, we're not on the same wavelength at this point. <laughs> so they ask for a hug and she's like, oh, I'm just still like, <laughs> and so Heather just is like, okay, get yourself together. I love you so much. Kisses her on the forehead and they walk out. I thought that they played this brilliantly because truly I believe that they walked in there really wanted to get in her ass <laughs> until she said something. And I just wonder like, are we going to get a hot mic moment? She must've turned her mic off when she went upstairs to tell Terry what happened. But clearly they were like going in there as a team to take her down and I get it because let's be real here like it doesn't look good for Nicole it doesn't (laughs) it's not a good look it would be one thing if Heather wasn't on a show and it would be one thing if they weren't filming together for the first time it looks it looks bad And and I could understand why they would have been more mad if they had gotten more mad but they pivoted real quick and they kept it cute and they were like, okay, we can rise above and do this. And I just wanted to know if this was something that they had agreed upon before they went downstairs or if they just decided to pivot on their own. Ooh, I love it. So then Heather moves into the kitchen where she finds the rest of the ladies and she asks if she can take Gina and Shannon aside. So she does. Gina's immediately apologetic. She's like, I'm so sorry for raising my voice in your home. And, you know, Heather's like, I don't have a problem with you raising your voice. I am do have a problem if you're talking shit about my husband. <laughs> and he- Gina's like, no, 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 no. I'm not. I promise. I promise I'm not doing that. And so Heather then looks at Gina and says, listen, I know people say don't shoot the messenger, but I'm going to tell you, shoot the messenger. Okay. Because if it didn't exist in my world, then I wouldn't have known about this. But then she turns to Shannon and says, but Gina only knows about it because you told her. And that was shitty of you. And you shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> oh, God. Heather is... You can make the argument for Heather being... Bossy. For sure. And feeling like she can talk to her peers in what black people would refer to as crazy. You're talking to me crazy right now. Um, but <laughs> I think I don't think she's in the wrong in this situation. I, I really don't like it. It looks really messy all around. It really does. And this is her first time, her first big event back. She got that damn um, frozen ice block with her initials chiseled into it. Like this is not how she wanted things to go. This part really fucking killed me because Gina and Shannon start to try to plead their case at the same time, but neither of them can actually get a word out. So it's just like, they're just, it's almost like they're speaking Simlish. And Heather's just like, you know what? And she rolls her eyes and she walks away. <laughs> Clearly the party is officially over at this point. Heather says in a confessional that 24 hours ago, all she was worried about was 
people's food restrictions, the fact that Shannon can't eat eggplant, the fact that Dr. Jen can't have restricted carbs. And now there's thousands of dollars worth of sushi going to waste in her kitchen or her chef's kitchen or her third kitchen. I don't know. So then just when Heather thinks that the party is wound down, she's giving the speech to the staff at Nobu, thanking them for their service, even though they weren't able to actually do a whole lot. And she's toasting to them and she's going to walk down that big ass hallway. And there's Shannon. <laughs> just like, my God, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. So Shannon says, you know, I, I just, I was waiting to talk to you and I hope that one day you can forgive me and I didn't mean to hurt you and I'll forever be sorry and Heather's like, you know, I thought we had a real chance to be friends, like a real chance. And I'm just disappointed. Then Shannon says, I just, I don't know what else to say because I'm a very loyal and trustworthy person. Heather shuts her down and is like, you're not though. <laughs> you're really not. Here's the thing. You could have given me a heads up. And then Shannon starts to get fussy about Heather, like pointing her finger in her general direction. And Heather's like, are you kidding me right now? You're going to get upset. You're really going to get upset. When you just tried to explode my world, let's just be done. Good night. <laughs> How many times is Shannon going to allow herself to get kicked out of this woman's house? Like, I've never been kicked out of anybody's home. I hope to one day. And I really hope I earn it. But, like, watching it on television, it's embarrassing. <laughs> like, this is a grown woman being kicked out of somebody's home. And this is not the first time. And it's, she's like... And it's even like the delivery of just like Heather's just so annoyed with her that it's just like a like a loser. You're like you. She looks like a loser walking down the hall with a 26 inch bundle in her hair. <laughs> it's sad. So this brings us to the following day. We're waking up in phase five, which is unpacking. So Emily FaceTimes with Heather. She invites her to lunch with she and Gina. The meanwhile, Shannon's having a FaceTime with Noella. So now they're friends because Shannon has literally nobody else out of this cast. <laughs> and Shannon's like, I, you know, I'm really grateful for being for you being in my corner. And in a confessional, Shannon says that she should not have said anything to Gina. But now she's being portrayed as somebody who's trying to intentionally hurt people. And she's not going to accept that. But Noella tell Shannon that she feels like the fact that Shannon and Gina got so passionate with each other means that there probably has to be some kind of love there. So maybe they can forgive too. And Shannon's like, well, the jury's still out on that. So then Terry and Heather have a conversation on their like outdoor situation. They've got two little dogs and they have AstroTurf to play on. <sighs> It's so much house. Anyway, um, they're talking and this conversation was so rehearsed. Like this one, I know was rehearsed. Because it, Dr. Terry Dubrow is laying it all out for us. And he's like, you know, I just don't understand why Shannon would want to bring up something from almost two, two decades ago. I just don't get it. And then he's like, you know, clearly I did do work on Nicole she dropped the charges. Is my mic working? Boom. Can you get down here? She dropped the charges and everything's okay. I am totally fine. And I'm not pissed off that this came on camera. Thank God I've 
filled the fuck out of my face. <laughs> you can't really tell how pissed off I am. <laughs> so Heather says, Shannon knows that we've been friends for six years. So all I can think of are like three options. Either Shannon assumed that Nicole and I had already had this conversation during the course of our six year friendship and she wasn't minding her business or she didn't know that we hadn't talked about it and it's none of her business or maybe Nicole didn't want her personal information out there but where I'm going is that it was none of Shannon's business to say any of this the only thing I can think of is that Shannon wants to hurt us and Terry's like well I don't understand why she would want to do that Maybe she harbors something from the past that we don't know about. And then the editors, thank God, flashback to um, Shannon just shaking like a Yorkie in the rain about how she heard that the DeBros wanted to take the doors down and you will all see the truth and please leave my house part one. Please leave my house part three through seven. (laughs) Gosh, I can't imagine what Shannon might be have against you guys. I can't imagine why she might not like you guys that much. <laughs> anyway. Um, so then the fake conversation continues with Heather having to be like, yeah, it was just, well, Terry says, it was just such a beautiful party. Just a gorgeous party that you threw. And I, I wish I could have been there even though I was there and I was upstairs. And then Heather has to be like, yeah, well, I don't want to piss you off, but, you know, we did spend like $10,000 on the sushi and 5000 on the drinks and between the uh, decoration and all of the gifts, I probably spent about 36000 probably about the average salary for a teacher for an entire year I spent it on sushi that nobody ate so and then (laughs) Terry has to say wow that's infuriating and again he had to be very explicit with his feelings through words because not a single emotion registers the man can barely blink at this point what did he do did he and Paul Nassif just like (laughs) like Russian roulette each other with, with Botox and filler. Like what happened? I know that I have not had eyes on them in several years. I know that they've been on bodged, but what, like Paul was on Vanderpump rules a few episodes ago, looking like jigsaw, frankly, he he looked like jigsaw. I don't, I, I don't really know filler and Botox life. And I don't want to shame anybody. Do your thing, baby girl. Do it all. Okay. But do it well. And I just can't like, as a doctor, you're your greatest billboard, right? Sweet James, the lawyer knows that. So I would just look at their faces and be like, Hmm, I'm going to mosey on over to somebody else. No, thank you. No, thank you. 
Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Unfortunately, at this point, we're forced to watch a scene with Jen and her husband, R-Y-N-E, <sighs> go to a restaurant. And honestly, I'm like 90% sure that he was wearing swim trunks to that restaurant. I don't know if it was more upsetting that he wore the swim trunks or that he brought Mr. Puppers the Chihuahua with him, but <sighs> Jesus. Um, So we get to like the typical housewife who works intro conversation with her husband about I want to have it all I feel like I'm failing our one of our kids is saying something about how she doesn't have a normal mommy just like everybody else's mommies and am I messing it up for my children Ryan says yeah I mean it's true that you're not really there for them but you're just not that type of woman so they're gonna have to adjust to it the only thing I really found interesting from this scene was that Dr. Jen said in a confessional that she and Ryan are both resentful of each other, that she's resentful of the fact that she's not home with the kids. And then she says he's probably resentful of the fact that he has to stay home. But considering this man has made it having a dog crested up next to his titty at least 80% of his personality and he was talking about his day and how he likes to get a few wins of chess in before he really gets going to what take his kid to tennis but I mean I don't want to make it seem like because he's a man and he's at home that he's like not doing the work of a stay-at-home mom but he probably isn't but the point is that I think he's fine. I think he's perfectly fine. It doesn't seem like he has a sense of urgency about getting back there into the work field. And that's fine because I'm ready to be retired yesterday. Okay. I wish I had a chihuahua tucked up under my titty right now. Okay. Because that would mean that I won, but I'm not there yet. So I'm not trying to yuck his yum. Do your thing, baby boy. I just, don't know why Jen thinks that he wants to work because he clearly doesn't. He clearly does not. Then after that, we had a scene with Emily and Shane and their every interaction with them is so strange. And I, I do find it interesting that they're clearly not a love match. They just like decided to make it work since Shane decided to hop in her Google chat and be like, hey, marry me, <laughs> whatever. But still seeing them interact with each other is very strange so basically the crux of their conversation is about religion she didn't grow up in a religious household shane is mormon and so now she acts as though she feels some sort of sense of she's like a bad parent in a way because she doesn't have that foundation of religion and she talks to shane about you know, when you were in the hospital with COVID and you couldn't breathe and things were looking really bad for you, were you afraid to die? And he said, no. She's like, well, do you think that it's your 
religion that gave you that sense of peace? And he said, yeah. And he says that he feels like there's an afterlife that he's going to, that there's a spiritual realm that he will be entitled to have entry into. And he's prayed about it. He's done his research and this is what he feels. He feels very strongly about that. Um, it is, it is interesting to me that they, he seems to be very strong in his faith and he lets her do her thing with herself. And she says, don't you think it's weird that we've been together, what, 13 years and we haven't really had that many conversations about religion. But I just felt bad that she felt like she would not be able like that. She was so grateful to Shane for being religious because she couldn't give that to her kids. But, and I think he even said it just like, be a good example. Like just be a good person. Like that's fine. And they could find faith in other ways and religion doesn't have to be the path. And I don't know. That part was pretty cool of Shane. I I do have to say, but that's, I'm going to close that chapter really quickly, but I will say that is a big thing to be cool about. And I appreciate that he is cool about it. So Shane has two daughters from his previous marriage and he and Emily have a daughter um, who's nine and she's about to get baptized. And she thinks, or Gina, I will always want to call her Gina. She looks like a Gina, right? So Emily thinks that their daughter, Annabelle probably is taking after her sisters because they're so entrenched in the faith. And yeah, she's just like really excited. Also, they showed a picture of that girl. Gorgeous stunning child good for her anyway um now we're moving into phase six you guys are our sixth and final phase new alliances okay so whew, i love this heather and gina and emily go for lunch they're waiting for uh heather she sits down and gina's like listen i just want to jump in right now i i don't you know we're not going to do these niceties i just want to tell you I want to apologize because you had a really beautiful party and I just hate that it went left. So Heather says to Gina, you were in a difficult situation. Maybe it was like, I understand to a certain extent why you felt the need to tell me this, but it could have been a different time at a different place. And Gina's like, I totally get it. I totally agree. But then she's like, I did want to give you some background. As, as to why I did what I did. And then she tells this horrific story about how she, the day she found out about her husband cheating on her, they had gone to a barbecue, the house of the woman that he w- had a whole relationship with. Everybody at the party knew except for her. So she's like having a great time, ha- putting a glizzy in her mouth doing you know playing little games and like everybody knows that her husband is cheating on the host of the party so they get home she finds out and she's like I just was so grossed out about being in your home and having everybody know the secret when I went through this and it was just so vile to me that anybody should I just didn't want to put anybody else through that And so Heather's like, thank you so much for sharing this with me. Like, I totally get where you're coming from. I could absolutely see why you were triggered. That is horrific what you had to deal with. And then Heather kind of puts the onus on herself and is like, you know what? I kind of feel like my reaction was 
more than what I wanted to do. But at the end of the day, this was about my family. And Gina cuts her off and is like, say less, girl. Like, I totally get it. I don't care what kind of reaction. Like, I wasn't offended by the way you reacted because that was your reaction to have any way you wanted it. And they're just like, they see each other. And Heather's like, thank you for saying that. Thank you for telling me that I could have reacted in any possible way. And they really start vibing with that. And Emily's like, oh, I'm here too, by the way. You guys, I'm also here. And I just want to (laughs) say something. I don't know yet, but I am here. In a confessional, Heather says that she and Gina got on really quickly. uh, And like when they met each other last week. And she's happy that Gina had an explanation for her behavior so that they can move on. So then Heather says, I'm just trying to still figure out what Shannon's goal was. And Emily says, do you think that Shannon did this to you to try to make you look bad? And Heather says, what I think is that sometimes success breeds contempt. And I don't like to use the J word but I can't come up with any other reason why Shannon would have done this. It's not like I ran over her cat. So then Heather tells them that when she had a discussion with Shannon, that Shannon had said something about trusting Gina and Emily, but then Heather reveals that Shannon told her before this whole thing happened to not trust them. So they're now pissed. Gina and Emily are livid. They're like, She tried to con all of us. She's been going behind our backs, talking shit, and I cannot believe that she said that about us. So Gina now feels like Shannon purposely gave them that information about Nicole so that they would look bad and it would confirm what she had told (laughs) Heather this whole time about them being bad people. Oh, diabolical. Genius. A villain has arisen or arose or whatever. I'm, ooh, I love this. I love it. I'm so happy. <laughs> I'm so happy. Uh, I can't believe it. Okay. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. Love you. We'll be back next week.